This is Healthcare Matters on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. Healthcare Matters is a program that delves into healthcare policy and issues. The hosts are not medical clinicians and they're not able to offer advice about medical conditions or diseases. You're always encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Healthcare Matters, sponsored by Hartford Healthcare, hosted by Rebecca Stewart and Elliot Joseph. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Healthcare Matters. This is Elliot Joseph, and I am safely ensconced in our studio this, on this very rainy day with my co-host, Rebecca Stewart, and we are pleased to have you all along with us for what will prove to be, I think, a really great conversation this morning. Absolutely. Good morning, everyone. And today, uh, we're talking about the dramatic changes that we're seeing in healthcare. Uh, we're using the term disruption to describe what we are experiencing in this industry. And healthcare in America is clearly being seen as a prime target for industry-wide disruption. And it's certainly my view that there are two primary reasons why this industry of ours is being disrupted in such a significant way. And we're going to talk in much greater detail about those two reasons in a few moments, but let me just throw them out there for your consideration. Number one, healthcare in America today is over 18% of the gross domestic product. We are now representing the largest economic sector of the American economy. Uh, that means there's a lot of money being spent. Mm-hmm. And then reason number two, which uh, you take them together, is, and, and that's how you uh, become a target for disruption, is we're a relatively inefficient industry uh, with lots of duplication uh, and very uh, not enough cost control over the, the healthcare services that we provide as a country. When you combine those two issues, you end up where we are today. And we're going to have an exciting discussion about this. We absolutely are. We have some really interesting guests as we talk about why that is, what that might mean for all of us. And we got the best of the best throughout the throughout the industry to discuss the why behind this and what might happen next. Let's introduce our guest yes, this morning. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, we're pleased to welcome to our show this morning, Matthew Weinstock. Matthew comes to us from Modern Healthcare Magazine, an industry-leading news journal. And Matthew is the managing editor and in that role at Modern Healthcare he assigns edits and directs coverage for Modern Healthcare and has a very important global perspective of what this is all about. We are also joined this morning by a colleague of ours, Dr. Rocco Orlando. He is Hartford HealthCare's chief medical officer. Dr. Orlando is a well-known and highly regarded practicing surgeon who's been on the front line lines of medicine for decades. And he is a leading expert on making healthcare safer for everyone. And we look forward to Dr. Orlando's perspective as well. Welcome to both of our guests this morning. Good morning. Great to be here. Absolutely. Now, we're going to start actually this morning with Elliot because we want to talk about you and your perspective as a healthcare leader. And you delved into this a little bit, Elliot, talking about these two these two reasons why. Um, and one of the things that you focus on is the fact that in, in this inefficiency, you see miracles, heroic doctors, nurses every day. Yes. Um, having been in this industry my entire career, uh, the admiration that I possess for the heroic efforts of our physicians, our nurses, our clinicians, really everybody who is gathered together to provide health care to people in their most vulnerable moments of their lives often uh, do heroic work. Uh, but they're really working inside a system uh, 
that is fragmented and broken, both a delivery system that's not organized to deliver on the promise of what we should be able to do, and a financing system that also does not incent the right behaviors for these people who are performing miracles every day. So let's bring in Matthew. Um, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. We're thrilled to have you with us this morning. We, um, what I'd love to get right to you and your perspective as you take a look globally at what this means, what you've seen, and let's talk about some of the big changes with Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, J.P. Morgan. What are you seeing throughout the industry? Sure, great. And again, thanks for having me this morning. Um, I think Elliot kind of hit it on the head, which is that, you know, we have, uh, and a part of the, we're the one-fifth of the global, of the U.S. economy, right? So we spend a lot on healthcare. Um, unfortunately, the U.S. tends to be at the low end of quality metrics as well. We spend more on healthcare than most industrialized nations, but we also happen to be uh, at the bottom end of quality metrics for most of those, um, for most industrialized nations. And I think what you're starting to see is sort of a tipping point of organizations um, outside of healthcare that are really frustrated with that with that equation, um, whether it's cost and quality or just cost. So, over the past handful of months, we've seen some um, disruption. Disruption, excuse me, as Elliot pointed out to, both from within the industry and outside. So it started uh, late last year when CVS Health and Aetna, Aetna being a large health insurer and CVS obviously being a large retail chain pharmacy chain decided uh, that they're going to join forces. So CVS will be purchasing Aetna Healthcare. Aetna will become a standalone organization within within CVS. Uh, but what that does is it opens up um, a lot of competition uh, for consumers. So uh, that'll open up, you know, CVS has a thousand uh, re- pharmacy clinics that people can walk into for earaches, for flu, for uh, asthma. They've got over 9,700 stores that they could expand coverage to. And so part of that is creating more access for the consumer. And we see, we're seeing that with CVS Aetna. We're seeing that with United Healthcare as well, which is another large insurer, which recently uh, moved to buy a medical group out of DaVita, which is a dialysis company. And that's going to expand more retail um, care settings for United Healthcare customers in more than 300 clinics, urgent care centers, surgery centers, which are all competition for the uh, standard hospital organization. So it creates more opportunities for the consumer. Excuse me. And then, as you alluded to, um, Amazon, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Berkshire Hathaway uh, a couple of weeks ago announced that they were going to form their own healthcare company to provide care for their 1,000, or I'm sorry, 1.2 million employees. So we, lots. Don't really, we don't really know what that's going to be, whether they're going to directly contract with providers or whether they're going to create their own sort of care network. But at the end of the day, what it is is them saying uh, costs are too much for us mm-hmm. to keep going through the system. That's right. That's right. So we're going we're gonna to create a model for our employees and try to tackle it that way. Now, they don't have the – the geographic uh, strength to do that, to disrupt markets specifically, like in Hartford, they don't have enough employees to be able to do that there. But globally, you know, these are three of the biggest and most innovative companies uh, in the country. Yeah, so, uh, uh, Matthew, you're absolutely right. And uh, this is really both a, a, 
a, a time filled with great opportunity and also a time for people to embrace the change uh, or else you're gonna get, we're going to get run over by it. And I just want to look back for a moment and, and talk about why do we find ourselves here. And certainly in my time in the healthcare industry, particularly on the hospital and provider side of it, um, you, the, it's, there's no mar- what I would call traditional marketplace in America for healthcare. It, there is not an exchange of, of money and goods and services uh, between users and payers in the very traditional sense of a industry or community marketplace. And it's a result of a couple of things that, that, that we've experienced as a country. One is insurance, mm-hmm. right? And insurance typically has disincentivized all of us, the, the users of healthcare, the buyers of healthcare, and the producers of healthcare to think about the cost because there is no marketplace. There's no exchange of dollars. And secondly, there's never been real restrictions on people's choices being forced to make choices based on economics, how much it costs, uh, what the quality is. So when you combine full payment with full access, uh, you don't have a marketplace. And that's what these companies are seeing. And you have often spoken about the, the fact that when customers, patients, consumers had more skin in the game, that's when we really saw this change come to be. All of a sudden, we were price checking wherever we could. And there are a lot of places that it's still difficult to do that price checking for different sort of options or services that we may have in healthcare. We have not had Rocco in on this discussion yet. So, Rocco, I see you there. So, I I think what we're seeing is uh, different forces that are coming into the play. One is the forces of consumerism that we've been talking about. So, our consumers, they're worried about lack of convenience, variability in outcomes, and skin in the game. They've got higher costs. Employers are frustrated uh, because they're seeing high cost and variable outcomes. And so there's a confluence of those two trends that are really coming together to force us to change and to create more disruption. And Elliot, I see you waving your hand. As you look look and see this sort of disconnected system and you see all of the different changes that are coming in here, as you look back, this is something that you've actually been predicting for some time. You said it was going to be a wild ride. Yes, there's no question about it. Um, And it gets back to a point that that Matthew made a few moments ago. America cannot afford the health care system that's in existence today for this country. Uh, we have the the blessing as uh, citizens of this country uh, to have access to uh, the best health care in the world. Uh, but uh, in conversations with uh, every type of employer, big, medium, large corporations, uh, and certainly looking at every state budget uh, across America and the federal budget, um, it's very clear that the cost of health care is causing companies to be uncompetitive in a global marketplace, uh, and it's causing uh, government budgets to collapse and therefore raise taxes uh, across the country. This is an issue uh, that uh, has to be resolved, and it, it is a moment where the marketplace is now forming. And that's what I was describing earlier, the lack of a, mar- a, a true marketplace that every other industry, every other uh, uh, business model uh, deals with. Healthcare has been immune from that up till now. Matthew, your thoughts. Well, and I, I would agree with, with all that. And I think one of the key words there was consumer, right? So healthcare over the past handful of years, we, as we've reported on changes in the industry, have started to hear uh, folks like Elliot and Rocco, <clears throat> excuse me, who have been in the industry for a while and, and lead organizations, 
start to use that word consumer ahead of patient, uh, which is a that is it, it's a subtle shift, but it's a huge shift in the industry, right? So you start to think when you start to think of the patient as a consumer, then you're starting to put on the hat of being an Apple or an Amazon or um, any other major retail outlet that wants to bring people into your organization. And you start to think about convenience of, of services, whether it's an urgent care center or more outpatient settings or uh, extended time for patient visits uh, in a pediatric setting. Now, Matthew, I'm going to pause you for one yeah. second because I am curious to our listeners this morning. What do you think of that? If you are a physician, the idea of consumers. If you're a patient, do you consider yourself a consumer? The number to call is 860-522-WTIC. That is 860-522-9842. And we want to know what you think. Ellie. Let me jump in this one because I've had just a profound experience over the last 12 months in my role as I've tried to provoke further change inside Hartford HealthCare, and we're going to talk a little bit later this morning about some of the disruption uh, we've uh, introduced uh, here in Connecticut uh, on, uh, on our own means and with other partners, I've begun to use the language consumer uh, in place of patient. And um, it's been a, um, a remarkable and uh, interesting reaction. And I would say that... Um, by and large, uh, most clinicians I've talked to about this notion are steadfastly against the idea. Um, and, you know, with great respect for, the, again, the remarkable work that physicians and nurses and other clinicians do and that sacred bond that exists between a patient and their provider is essentially important. And I've watched physicians, particularly those who have been in practice for some period of time, really look at me with disgust as, I, as I've used this word. Um, so it's, it's a, you know, it, it, it is a profound moment uh, for us to, to uh, try to introduce the notion, while the marketplace is already changing, but inside of healthcare, getting us ready for this and trying to not get run over by it. So again, that number, 860-522-WTIC, 860-522-9842. Matthew, were you about to say something? I was. I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I, I appreciate what Elliot said, but I think that consumer is an organizational change, right? So it changes the organization's mind and the way that it approaches its patient population and its marketplace. It doesn't change. It shouldn't necessarily change the direct relationship that I have with my physician, right? My physician is still my physician. I'm still their patient. Look at what we're seeing in organizations that are out in front on consumerism is they're adopting more technology so that, um, you know, you can get, uh, uh, you can pay your bills online. You can do an appointment online. You can check your lab results on your phone. Um, you can do a host of things. There are organizations, uh, Ashner Healthcare in, in Louisiana comes to mind. They have uh, what they call kind of a genius bar. So when you leave your doctor's appointment, they have folks there who will sit with you and figure out which apps are best to put on your mobile device so you can better control and, and monitor your health. Those are the types of things that we're seeing innovations in consumerism 
as well as uh, the push for more outpatient services and more convenient times for people to go see their physicians. And I'm going to invite Dr. Orlando to weigh in here from the physician perspective. Yeah, so I think as a physician, I think the debate about patient versus consumer is probably not all the important one. And I think it really doesn't capture the different roles. Uh, when I'm sick, I'm a patient. Uh, and I'm vulnerable and I need care. Uh, when I'm making thoughtful decisions about health care and I have choices and I may well be healthy, I'm a consumer. And so I think we have in, in all of us at different times, we're, we're working in different roles and we simply need to understand what those roles are and how we're going to best serve those that, that, that we're going to care for. That's a great point. Again, I want you to call in and tell us what you think. That is 860-522-WTIC. We have Patty from West Hartford. Patty, you are on Healthcare Matters. Good morning. Good morning. I'm a very proud uh, employee of Hartford Healthcare and Excellent. a patient at Hartford Healthcare. But um, as um, the physicians take um, an oath, first do no harm, no nolo no jure. And I think you can't have this transformed into... First, sell no harm, as you would to a consumer. So that's just a little comment. It's a little philosophical, but it's a very strong point with me. Yeah, and Patty, I agree completely with what you're saying. Um, and for the way I tend to think about it, and I'm not even sure I'm I'm on the same page as my colleague uh, Dr. Orlando here. Um, uh, the the res- the profound respect we have to have for that sacred bond that you talk about. Uh, that 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 pledge that clinicians take to do no harm and and to do their best um, to me is completely and totally aligned with the idea of thinking of me as a consumer when I show up uh, to be treated even when I am sick you know if I'm on my if I'm in the emergency room and I've experienced a trauma and I can't communicate and I need care treat me like a patient but virtually in every other uh, aspect of my interaction, I do want to be respected as a patient, but I also want those people and those organizations who are caring for me to think of some, me as somebody who has choices to make and actually, as, as Rebecca mentioned earlier, has some skin in the game. You know, I'm going to be paying for part of this, which is a part of the change here. And I, if I can add, I think one of the other pieces of the consumer, right, that, that also gets to this larger question we're talking about, about cost is, and you alluded to this earlier, is transparency so that people can understand how much a service is going to cost and what the quality they're going to get for that cost is. And we can do that in virtually every other aspect of our life. You can go on cars.com and you know exactly what you're going to pay for, for the car that you want when you walk into that dealership. You can do it across other sectors of your life. One of the areas where healthcare has struggled is this idea of transparency. So you don't know what your actual out-of-pocket cost is going to be, and you don't know uh, specifically how well that specific organization performs on certain metrics. You know um, what, Matthew? I think that's a fascinating point. And actually, I think that with the high deductible plans, at least in my own life as I've seen this change, I think there's less transparency because now I know what my big or larger deductible is, but I don't know what I'm paying from that until after the procedure, which is 
fascinating. Whereas before, when I had my sort of more traditional, I paid the same amount. And I think, honestly, in the end, they even out. They I end up spending the exact same. But at least then I knew this was my copay, no matter what specialty. And now I'm getting billed after I've been to the physician. And it could be as much as my whole deductible in one moment. Yeah, it's fascinating. This is, this is an incredible technology opportunity for the industry. And again, it's why the Amazons and the Googles are looking at us and they're licking their chops trying to get inside. I will tell you, if you lift up, lift up the curtain uh, you know, and see where I live uh, and, and know what I know as, as being embedded inside the delivery system, uh, we are investing hundreds of millions of dollars in new technology. We've just put in a new, brand new electronic health record across the entirety of Hartford HealthCare. Many other organizations like us have done this. We've just invested big money in a partnership with General Electric to use their expertise in predictive analytics. But what we don't have is an adequate cost accounting system. Our cost accounting systems in our industry are antiquated and they're built on um, uh, decades of not really being interested in what the costs are. So quite frankly, the reason we aren't transparent in part today is I can't even tell you what the costs are of a lot of what we're doing. So this industry has got to run hard to catch up and make big investments uh, to be ready uh, for what's happening. Fascinating. Rocco, as you... Yeah, so I, I agree entirely with that approach that we just have not had the data to tell folks who now have skin in the game. They want to know what they're paying for, what it costs. Uh, Matt also asked the other, the related question, what are they getting in terms of quality? And we have not done an adequate job of getting out to them uh, the information they need about the quality of the service they're going to be provided with. Now, there's information overall about quality, things like star ratings and leapfrog grades, but that doesn't really speak to the particular outcome when I go in for a particular procedure or have a particular condition. What can I expect? And that's something that we need to do as an industry to lead in that in, in that quest for transparency to get that information to the folks we're caring for. And Dr. Orlando, you have spoken at length about the fact that you believe in transparency, you believe it is very important, and you have some metrics that you think people should ask for. If I'm going in for surgery, what should I know? So we think that the uh, we, we like to call it. It's uh, quoting uh, Don Berwick, the former CMS administrator. It's measures that matter. Uh, what are the health outcomes that really matter? If I have a condition, if I'm having surgery, uh, what's the infection rate? How does that organization do uh, in eliminating post-operative infections? If I have cancer, I'd like to know what's the five-year survival uh, if I'm treated at your organization for the particular tumor that I'm being treated for. So very specific information. These are just examples of the kinds of things that that we need to do a better job of putting that information out in front of the folks we're caring for. And Matthew, we are just about to have a break, but what are your thoughts quickly before we go into break? I think that's great, and I, I, I'd agree with uh, Rocco, and I'd actually love his opinion when we come back. You know, what part of the other problem is that there's really no standardization on quality metrics, So, mm-hmm. um, and he could speak to it, certainly. There are metrics from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. All of your individual payer companies probably have different quality metrics that they want to measure you by. Uh, specialty societies have different metrics for how they're going to assess care models. So there is a movement to try to streamline the standards movement, I'm sorry, the quality metrics movement, and make it more uh, coherent for both providers and for patients. Matthew Weinstock with Modern Healthcare Magazine. You have been listening to Healthcare Matters. We have lots more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. Where, Bill, we do see you on the line, and we'll be in touch with you when we come back after the break. This is Healthcare Matters. We're healthy, you're healing better now. Feeling 
Welcome back to Healthcare Matters. This is Elliot Joseph. I'm here with my co-host, Rebecca Stewart. We're having a great conversation about the healthcare industry and the dramatic changes that are happening every day uh, and the disruptive forces that are causing the industry to move towards this notion of consumerism. And it's been a very, very active 60 to 90 days across the country with major announcements coming out almost every week uh, around this important topic. I just want to, Matthew talked uh, earlier about this. Oh, yes, and let me not forget our, our fabulous guests who are here with us. I'm so excited about the subject. We have Matthew Weinstock with us from Modern Healthcare Magazine. Uh, he is the managing editor of this highly regarded national publication, uh, and um, he has a very important global perspective of all that we're talking about uh, today. And our second guest is Dr. Rocco Orlando, our chief medical officer at Hartford HealthCare, and someone who has led the charge both locally and nationally, uh, making healthcare safer for everyone. Um, so we're having a great conversation, and let me just recount for you, if I may, what the last 60, 90 days has brought uh, to the, this, this dramatic transformation and disruption. Nationally, organizations that look like Hartford HealthCare but are much bigger, quite frankly, have announced that they're not big enough and their need for scale, their need to inv- have the capital to invest in the technology. And a lot of what we're talking about here are technology organizations mm-hmm. coming in to disrupt uh, an industry in need of this disruption. And so we had a few announcements in the last uh, couple of uh, months. Ascension Health, and Providence St. Joe's, two very large health systems across America, are combining forces to become a $45 billion not-for-profit health system. Catholic Health Initiatives and Dignity in the West Coast, on the West Coast, have announced that they're coming together to form a $29 billion uh, health care provider system. And in the Midwest, Advocate, one of the leading uh, integrated delivery systems, not-for-profit in Chicago, and Aurora Health in uh, Wisconsin, both very capable, very strong organizations have announced they're coming together to form an $11 billion uh, provider system. Simultaneously, as Matthew mentioned, the announcement about Aetna and CVS, uh, we've had Amazon step into the game very dramatically. Uh, they now own pharmacy licenses in 12 states across the country, including, oh, by the way, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And the beat goes on. So, Elliot, from your perspective, as you're looking at this, what does that mean for our little state? What does that mean to people who are listening this morning? Well, I think it it portends really great things, actually. Um, As you've heard me say, and I say it routinely, uh, we have tremendous opportunity to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of a broken system of care. Again, miracles, the best healthcare in the world, uh, but we can be more effective and more efficient over the long haul. The need for this innovation, the need for this introduction of new technologies and new ways of approaching the traditional way of delivering healthcare, I think will mean great things for the people of Connecticut, but we're just at the beginning. And and some, some really interesting things are already happening here. I do want to push this to our listeners this morning. I know you have perspective on this. What are your thoughts? We want to hear from you. That number is 860-860-522-WTIC or 860-522-9842. And Bill has been on the line very patiently waiting. Bill, you are on Healthcare Matters. Yes. Hey, I just want to bring up something that I see out my front door here. This urgent care is sprouting up all over, formed by doctors. I think... The, the, I, there's two within a quarter of a mile of me, 
I think this might be the future of it because they got they could even be in a pharmacy, but they are in separate buildings, and people don't go to the city to have the, the hospital if they can. But urgent care, I think, is even going to sooner or later provide house calls. No longer will you need an ambulance. You could go by Uber to it. It'll take up 50% of the cause factors of it. And uh, these are doctors who probably could even live in apartments above it or in, a, as they say, a pharmacy. Yeah, so Bill, Bill has Bill, an you, interesting perspective. Yeah, Bill, you're absolutely correct. Uh, and this is a perfect example of the disruption that we at Hartford HealthCare are doing uh, to the local marketplace. We actually had the good fortune of creating a very good partnership, an important partnership with a, a company out of California called Go Health. We've now put up with Go Health approximately 10 urgent care centers in the last six or eight months. We have another seven to eight coming online in the next six months. And what we've seen is a dramatic transformation of way we, as traditional providers, think about the delivery of urgent care. And at, you know, actually, the partners who are working with us don't come out of the healthcare industry. They come out of the retail and technology industry. They have reinvented the way to provide urgent care, and we're actually taking a lot of those best practices and now beginning to spread them across uh, our entire organization. At the same time, this allows us to, keep, as you said, keep people out of the emergency room, mm -hmm. which is a very expensive place uh, to get care. The waiting is, is uh, you know, often unbearable, uh, and this is a, a major effort uh, to redefine the way care people access care. You know, going into that that sort of vein of thought, a lot of folks, even though we've been established, we're here, a lot of folks still don't understand what that means to be a system of care, that so many folks have looked at things as smaller episodes of care. But what does that mean exactly to folks? How does this fit into the continuum of care? Because there's a, there's a method to the madness. So let's, Rebecca, talk about how good urgent care is part of the continuum of care. So the uh, Bill's exactly right. People are going to urgent care centers because of consumerism, convenience, no wait. It's around the corner. They're going there. And so the advantage is uh, with our partnership with Go Health, uh, you can go to urgent care. You can enjoy all of that convenience, great care, but it is connected to a health system. It is connected to the electronic health record. At our centers, it's part of our integrated electronic health record uh, when you get care from us. Uh, and if you need follow-up, if you need a specialty visit, it's now connected. It's, it's not part of that discontinuous, disconnected experience that so many folks have in getting health care. This is really a profound change. And uh, not many people know this fact that Hartford HealthCare uh, is operating the state's largest home care enterprise as well. And we believe the future of healthcare is in large part going to be in the home with all this technology that's emerging. So we've been very purposeful in building out this kind of access point. And again, similar uh, to what Dr. Orlando pointed out, connected by the health record. So it is not a fragmented experience. It's part of the continuum of care that people receive from their home all the way through to the ICU at the hospitals. So, Matthew, I'm curious. I, we haven't talked to you in a bit, and we want to know what you think as you are looking at the landscape changing. What are your thoughts about all this? Sure. Well, you could do an hour on almost every one of those <laughs> topics right. that Elliot and Rocco just mentioned. Um, <clears throat> I think a couple of things. One is that we're definitely seeing a rise in... Uh, urgent care centers and the migration towards outpatient care. So that's care outside of the main hospital setting. 
Uh, we see that across the board. And, you know, Elliot mentioned the Advocate Aurora merger here in the Midwest where I am, Dignity CHI merger. Aurora, I'm sorry, Advocate and CHI, for instance, are two organizations that have put a lot of effort and money as well as Dignity into growing their outpatient services, their urgent care centers, because uh, that's where they know patients are going. And what that does is it frees up the main hospital, right, to care for these larger, more complex cases, the cancer cases, the surgeries, uh, those, those types of things. You free up a bed for a, a service that may actually cost more and is more revenue for the hospital, which is a big piece of this, and you push a lower revenue piece out to an urgent care center, which is honestly where it should be anyways. Uh, so we're seeing a big trend. We're seeing a big migration in that. Um, on the technology piece, the EHRs are interesting. They were mandated uh, by government uh, in 2009, 2010, I believe, um, by something called the High Tech Act, which Congress mandated that hospitals specifically put in electronic medical records and ratcheted up the standards that they would have to meet in order to receive Medicare money to reimburse them for those EHRs. We're now at the point where they will actually get penalized if they don't have a functioning EHR system in. Um, the problem we've seen, however, is that Hartford may have one system and the hospital down the street has another system and the hospital across the border has another system and they don't communicate to each other. So it's not like going to an ATM for J.P. Morgan or Wells Fargo and you can get money out of any of them. Uh, the challenge we see is this thing called interoperability where the data doesn't flow seamlessly from one electronic medical record to another, which then limits the ability for physicians like Rocco to get information if I show up at his front doorstep. And that's been a problem across the industry, and that's something that uh, both the technology side and the provider side needs to address because without that interoperability, without that free flow of information, sure. you're still going to be stuck without getting accurate patient information. I do want to remind our listeners this morning, we want to hear from you. That number is 860-522-WTIC, 860-522-9842. Rocco. So, Matt, you're exactly right. This problem of interoperability is absolutely paramount. And flowing data, if, if particularly if, if I'm... If I'm the patient, the consumer, getting care, uh, I want all of my providers to have the information wherever I go. It's really my data, and yet it is locked up in these uh, electronic health records. We've been making a number of investments in that operability on our own to ensure that we can bring information in from disparate health records. And we're also in the state of Connecticut uh, blessed by the fact that uh, there, uh, a number of the health systems have, in fact, selected upon a single vendor for the electronic health records. So in the state of Connecticut, we actually are already enjoy much of that benefit and are flowing much of the patient information directly from health system to health system. And that's really an example of how health systems can, in fact, participate and collaborate with each other on behalf of their patients. Yeah, so um, I agree completely with both what Rocco and Matt said. Let me, let me lift this up a bit to a, a broader perspective for a moment. Uh, as, as I think about it as the CEO of Hartford HealthCare and our board and our leadership team thinks about how do we disrupt ourselves from the inside? It's much easier to disrupt an industry from the outside. It is much more challenging. And Matt, Matthew hit on it uh, in part. We're going to be giving up current revenue sources and accepting less revenue as we disrupt ourselves. But let me explain three, uh, three, a three-pronged approach or three sets of strategies that we're using as an organization uh, to position uh, ourselves and, and the residents of Connecticut uh, to get, 
to get the best health care possible. Number one is, as we talked already this morning, uh, moving care to the lower cost setting. So whether it's moving care from the emergency room to the urgent care centers that we're investing in, moving care from the ambulatory setting to the home care setting, moving care from inpatient surgery to ambulatory surgery centers, of which we now are partners in about, I think it's approximately 14 ambulatory surgery centers. We're the largest provider of all of these services in the state of Connecticut today. So number one is getting care to the most efficient and effective place possible. Number two, it is the, the language change that we've adopted at Hartford HealthCare is moving from the term discharge to transition. We're trying to create a culture across our enterprise that doesn't think when we're done with you that we've discharged mm-hmm. you. When we're done with you, wherever you are, we now have a responsibility to help you transition to your next level of care in a coordinated, personalized fashion. We've created an accountable care organization. We're responsible for 20,000 lives that we're helping specifically in this regard. We built a whole new company called Integrated Care Partners, where 2,000 of our providers are now invested with care managers, care navigators. We've uh, integrated behavioral health with primary care, all to help the transitions of care across the continuum. And we just recently announced a major joint venture partnership with Tufts Health Plan for a new Medicare Advantage insurance product that we're going to be introducing January 1st of 2019. And Tufts is the the leading Medicare Advantage provider in the country based on uh, their outcomes. The The third and final aspect of this is the leveraging of technology. And a couple of quick examples around that. Number one is telemedicine. Uh, We have introduced the notion of telemedicine initially in our nationally regarded destination center for headaches, uh, where we are working with people who live all over the country who are accessing our expertise in this arena, and also now the Care Logistics Center that we recently established and brought online with our partner, General Electric. So those three aspects are how we're focused on bringing this all forward. And making a difference. I do want to, I have some folks who have been very patiently waiting. Chris, you are on Healthcare Matters. Uh, hi, Rebecca. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I just uh, uh, kind of delve into what he was saying about technology. It really is the key towards uh, lowering costs. Uh, I, I worked at Aetna as an analyst for a number of years, had my own, had, then I had my own company, Uh but uh, uh, just just for instance, one uh, one one uh, thing that I would like to touch on is is the uh, difference in in Medicare in, in the public sector when private sector uh, are more efficiencies of the private sector take over. Uh, if I have just my Medicare card and pay the 134 a month to get to get A Part A and Part B, uh, my doctor won't take me. Uh, however. I use Medicare Advantage with uh, with that, and I just chose them. But there are a lot of other companies. Uh, with Medicare Advantage, I pay zero dollars premium. I don't pay any more premium. And now my doctor, I, I have the same thing. I pay it to I pay the money goes to Medicare, and they work out a deal with Aetna. And then uh, I just go to uh, <clears throat> I go to my provider. He welcomes me with open arms. I, I checked out. I checked the reimbursement. He's getting reimbursed a lot more. Uh, than he did even even with my uh, earlier coverage, uh, birth to sixty four coverage with Connecticut. So uh, it, it's it's all that it breaks down to efficiencies. Uh, companies are accountable. Uh, the government isn't that accountable. Uh, Aetna, Aetna and the other insurance companies have very good fraud detection on their claims. So there's a lot lot less abuse, fraud, and waste. Uh, 
Uh, so I think we're moving in that, if we keep moving in that direction, I think we'll do a lot better. Well, Chris, that's a great, interesting perspective. And Matthew, we'd love for you to weigh in. What are your thoughts and what are you seeing from that global perspective? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know that, um, that scenario plays out across the nation, um, in terms of the way that providers view Medicare Advantage versus traditional Medicare, uh, particularly, you know, we'll have a story coming out on Monday that shows that in rural communities, for instance, Medicare Advantage plans actually underpay rural hospitals considerably, uh, and they can ratchet down that payment through their negotiations. Uh, so that puts rural hospitals, which are probably our most vulnerable at this point, um, in a real bind. And so Medicare Advantage does offer, pardon the pun, but some advantages, right, because there are some direct negotiations, whereas, um, you know, Elliot cannot negotiate with CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, over his Medicare rates. Um, but it, it is interesting that we are seeing considerable growth in Medicare Advantage. And the budget bill that passed, the continuing resolution that just passed in Congress um, late Friday or early Friday morning, excuse me, has a huge piece of health care in it. There, there are a number of things that will impact the health care industry in that bill that people may not be aware of. And one of those pieces is growing the Medicare Advantage program, um, not just in creating flexibility for those plans to do certain things, but also, as Elliot alluded to, telehealth. That law will now allow Medicare Advantage plans for the first time to really expand the use of telehealth. So there are some advantages that we're seeing in Medicare Advantage that traditional Medicare hasn't paid for. Yeah, so uh, I think you're absolutely right. Thank you for sharing those insights, Matt. Um, as we look forward here, I mean, I, I just uh, read, I think it was this week in, in, in one of the newspapers, uh, and um, I think it was online. I'm actually one of those people who's probably still one of the few people remaining who actually read the paper that, <laughs> the, the old way. Um, but Amazon, which we know uh, bought Whole Foods, just in, you know, we all been waiting to hear what they're going to do. They just announced that they're going to uh, pilot in four cities across America two-hour delivery of food. So you order your food, and then within two hours, it will be at your house. Now, if I'm a traditional supermarket, you know that changes the game entirely. And and again, these are folks who are coming to healthcare now. And that's why we're running so hard and so fast to disrupt and make this a better system for people. A second example is Apple. Now, um, I don't know how many folks uh, still go to the mall. Um, I was there recently, and it's amazing to me how quiet the mall is and so many of the retail stores that it, it, they're not, it's not what it used to be, no. with one exception. Busy, busy. The Apple store. Right, you have to make an appointment to get to get service at the Apple Store, and um, Apple is hard at work in, in in driving the Apple Watch to become a medical device. Apple themselves are thinking about how they take that retail experience of the Apple Store and create Apple healthcare clinics. Um, this is the wave of the future, and for me, actually, I'm excited by it. Because I do believe we've created and are creating an organization here in Connecticut that could end up being great partners with some of these companies who are going to introduce profound disruption, but I don't think can do it on their own. 
uh, they're going to need an organization like ours at the local level and the regional level uh, to partner with to bring this technology to its full fruition. So I'm very excited about where this is going. I'm curious, actually, as you're talking about that, Matthew and Rocco, um, what do you see in the crystal ball? Matthew, let's start with you. What do you see coming next? Sure. Well, and I'm, I'm glad that Elliot mentioned Apple. So Apple recently um, signed up to work with Geisinger Health in Pennsylvania, Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, Rush Medical Center here in Chicago, and UC San Diego Health, obviously, in California, <clears throat> to get at what we were talking about, this interoperability, right? So they're going to work with those health systems to be able to migrate your patient, your health record, all of your data onto your iPhone. That is a huge disruption, but they can't do it alone. Those health systems couldn't do it alone. They needed Apple to come in and help them. And I think that's what you're going to see. I think Elliot's right. You're going to see the more partnerships mm-hmm. that seem bizarre. They're going to go outside of the healthcare world to um, start to disrupt things. And you're going to see more collaborations inside. So we also had four large health systems recently come together um, to form their own drug company. A large drug company that will be formed by uh, Ascension Healthcare, SSM Healthcare, Intermountain Healthcare. And what they want to do is get at the cost of generic drugs. So you're going to see a lot of these things come together. I think what we can't lose sight of is the standalone independent hospital, as they still exist, how do they become a part of that system and how do they not, not get left in um, in the dust? How do they get not, get, not get left behind? Dr. Orlando. So two technology changes that I think are going to be critical. One is telehealth. My 28-year-old son, who of course lives in California, accesses his primary care doctor via telehealth visits. Uh, it works for him. It's convenient. It's efficient. The other that we've alluded to is predictive analytics and using big data. Our partnership with GE is moving us in that direction. We have also have a partnership with MIT uh, where we have a number of their graduate students working with us and really discovering in this massive data that we've accumulated, how can we gain insight to identify patterns that will help us give more efficient care. So we're on that path, and it's going to be, it's going to be uh, groundbreaking. Uh, it is exciting to see, and I love that you are enthused by it, Elliot. I think that that says a lot about you and the organization that you run. But what do you see, sort of anything else down the pike in our last few moments? Well, um, as an organization, we've created a, a vision statement for the future, and, and we've created something called the five ones. And that's really how we're going to translate what consumers and patients who are going to experience with us. And the five ones are one registration, no matter where you are, you don't have to repeat your registration. Number two, one health record. We're very close to that. We're about 95% of the way. Number three is one standard of excellence, that we're taking best practices in every clinical arena and distributing them across the entire organization and across the continuum. The fourth is one bill. Uh, That'll be the hardest thing for us to accomplish ultimately, but we're going to get there. And lastly, one relationship. That is our brand promise. Those five ones are what we're looking to deliver at the end of the day. Excellent. Elliot Joseph, Matthew Weinstock, Rocco Orlando, we thank you for being a part of this show. You have been listening to Healthcare Matters. This has been Healthcare Matters, sponsored by Hartford Healthcare. Tune in next month as we continue to discuss the status of healthcare, determine what works and what doesn't, and work to bridge the gap. Healthcare Matters on WTIC. News Talk 1080 at WTIC.com.